God has a mysterious plan for us to grow us and mature us. He is at work in all of our lives, drawing us to Him, teaching us to trust Him, and developing our faith. Inside of us is a new creation waiting to emerge, one that reflects the beauty and likeness of our Redeemer. When we trust, when we obey, we step into a new way of life. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. I want to thank all of you who are watching online. Whether you are in your house or your car or wherever you are, we're so grateful that you're here today. And on all four campuses of Sugar Creek, welcome to, to our service today. I, today, I want to pray. I want us to pause and pray for an individual that has been a longtime attendee of our church. She's in trouble today. She has contracted the COVID virus, and she is in intensive care. She is on a ventilator, and she is in an induced coma. And the next two weeks are going to be very serious in her life. So I'm going to ask us to pause and pray for her. The Lord knows her name. Father, we come to you today and we say thank you for all that you have done in this dear sweet woman's life. And even now, God, we ask that you would rescue her. We pray, Father, that you would rescue her and heal her and raise her up from that ventilator, from the coma. And um, we pray for her healing. Bless her, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. One of the greatest, uh, most uh, fast-growing markets in the United States is uh, the uh, self-change uh, kind of market, the self help sources, like uh, books that are written for self-help, uh, videos and for seminars. Everybody is sort of getting into the act. In fact, in the, just three years ago, in, in 2018 is the last numbers I've had, that over $11 billion has uh, been spent in the, in the year 2018 for just self-help resources. I can imagine this last year. I can imagine with people being home even more than usual, maybe it got to 15, maybe it got to $20 billion. What it says to me is that every single person understands we got to get better. We've got areas in which we need to grow. We need to keep developing in our life. Maybe it's career. Maybe learning how to, to uh, finish the sale. Maybe learning how to work with others better. Maybe to lead your employees better than you are right now. But it's not just self-help when it comes to our, our career. It's when our, it comes to our marriage too. Uh, having a better marriage, having a stronger marriage, taking better care of your spouse, loving your spouse the way you should, and children being a better parent or a better grandparent. And if your child is about 13 years of age, go and buy every book you can get because you're going to need all those books. I, we only had two, two children, but I think we've got 40 or 50 parenting books 
that we have read as our children were growing up trying to be good parents with our children. And we need all the help that we can get. God has given all of us a personality and he's given us strengths and abilities and even weaknesses. Even the weaknesses that God gives to us, he gives to us in order to somehow bless us and to make us stronger in the midst of it. And opportunities. God has given us great, great opportunities. And then sometimes he gives us meager opportunities. And both of those times in our lives are important times of growing and maturing. For you see, God has one great purpose. He's not trying to change your personality. He's not trying to, if you're an introvert, he's not trying to make you an extrovert. If you're an extrovert, he's not trying to make you an introvert. He's not trying to change your personality. He's trying to change your character. It is character that God zeroes in on. He is deepening our character. He is is teaching us how to be kind toward others, how to be more patient toward others, how to be understanding of ourselves, understanding of God and what he's up to, understanding of other people in our life. He's teaching us how to love other people, love ourselves, love, love God in a better way. He is actually deepening the character of our life. This is what God has in mind for you. God's not trying to change what he has already built in you. He is trying to change you and I to be just like Jesus Christ. And this is what we're talking about in the new series. That's a short series, Becoming a Better Me. He is wanting to deepen our character. And what we discover in the passage as we are going through the book of Philippians together, in Philippians chapter 2 and verses 12 and 13, is that it isn't God only at work. It's not us only at work. It is a partnership that is changing my life. It's a partnership. A few years ago, 10, 15 years ago, I came across this passage of scripture. I'd read it many times, but it was as though it really locked into my heart. And I began to understand this partnership between God and me. It really helped me to better understand how to see God change my life. And this morning, I want to talk to you about this very thing, God's part and our part in changing me. Now, I want you to look with me in Philippians chapter 2 and verses 12 and 13 and notice what it says. So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not just in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. God is telling us to work out our salvation while he works in our life. So let's take a look at this, this partnership of God at work in us and us and at work in us. Now, the first thing that he tells us is that we have a responsibility to work out, out our salvation. I don't think there's been a verse in the Bible that's been most uh, as much misunderstood as verse 12 has been. So let me see if I can bring some clarity to what he's saying in this verse. Notice that he tells us that our job in changing our lives is to work out our own salvation. Notice he didn't say work for our salvation. He said work out our salvation. Most people that we encounter, and many of you that are watching online maybe, and even in attendance today, many of you think that we must work for our salvation. 
If I go to church, if I do better, if I, if I treat God better, if I treat other people better, if I treat my family better, if I give of my time to God, if I give money to God, that God will look at me and say, boy, you're living a really good life. And so I'm going to welcome you into my heaven. There are many, most people in the world believe that we get to heaven by being good. We get to heaven by trying harder. And part of the reason that so many people believe this is that every religion teaches it. Every religion but Christianity, which I don't think is a religion, I think it's a relationship, but every other religion teaches it. You work hard, you try your best, cross your finger, hope in the end, it all works out. Problem is, when it all comes to the end, you can't turn anything around. And besides that, that is not what God said at all. See, the problem with all these other religions is that they have no savior. And so the only one who can save you is you. But that is not what the Bible teaches at all. You cannot save yourself. You cannot do more, try harder, and finally get to heaven because of all of that, you can't do it. For instance, take a look at Ephesians chapter two, verse eight and nine. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things that we have done. Look at this. Look at what he is saying. God saved you by his grace when you believed. You can't take take credit for it. It's a gift from God. And notice that word. Salvation is not. Put that word not in there. Salvation doesn't come by you trying harder, doing more, being, being better trying to be a good person. Salvation doesn't come from that because if it did, we would boast about it. And then look at Titus chapter three, verse five. God saved us not, circle the word not, because of righteous things we've done. You can't be saved because you do righteous things, you do good things, but because of his mercy. We cannot work for our salvation. We cannot try to do better so that finally God will save us. No, God saves us through the grace of God as a gift from God by faith in Jesus Christ alone for our salvation, not because of anything else we do. No, he does not say work hard for your salvation. He says work out your salvation. So what does that mean? Well, let me give you an idea. Whenever you, you, maybe you have equipment of your, at your house. Maybe you have workout equipment at your house and maybe you, you, you've got weights and you've got machines or whatever you have at your house. And so you, you work out at your own house. Or maybe you go to a gymnasium to work out. When you are working out, you're not trying to create muscle you're trying to grow it. See, muscle was a gift from God to you. At the very moment that you were born, you came out with muscles. If you didn't have muscles in your legs, you can't get to the workout facility. If you don't have muscles in your arms, you can't lift anything to work out. No, you got muscles as a gift from God. But now what you're trying to do is that you are trying to work out to make those muscles bigger and stronger and tone them up so that they will serve you better. So to work out our salvation is not to try to get it. We got that as a gift from God. Through the grace of God by faith in Jesus Christ. But now we need to work out our salvation. We need to make the most of it. Don't just get fire insurance. 
okay, I now know I'm going to go to heaven, so now I'm just going to live bad and going to live like the devil. Well, maybe you're not going to heaven because if you were really saved, you would start being different in your life. You would start wanting to work out your salvation. To work out our salvation means we make the most of it. Look, you are a child. You are a child of the God of the universe. You are a son of God. You are a daughter of God. It is amazing what has happened to you. When you came to know Jesus as your Savior, you became a part of the very family of God. So stop living below who you are. And start living exactly who you are as a child of the living God. This is what 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 5 are saying when five, five days are saying when he says this. So don't lose a minute in building on what you've been given. This is the very same thing Paul said. You've been given salvation. Don't lose one minute about building on, making the most of that salvation, complementing your basic faith with good character, spiritual understanding, alert discipline, passionate patience, reverent wonder. I love that phrase, don't you? Reverent wonder. Never stop being in awe of God. Never stop being in awe that God would even want you. Never stop being in awe. Warm friendliness, generous love, each dimension fitting into and developing the others with these qualities active and growing in your life. No grass is going to grow under your feet, no. No day will pass without its reward when you mature in your experience of our master Jesus. Peter is describing exactly what Paul is describing, work out your salvation. He's come to live inside your heart. He loves you. He's saved you. Now, make the most of this. Grow. Grow in your depth and maturity in God. And all the things that Peter talks about is character. He's wanting to change your character. Deepen your character. Now, as you're working out this salvation, making the most of it, growing as fast and as much as you can grow in your understanding of God... Work out your salvation in fear and trembling. What does that mean? It does not mean scared to death of God. Fear and trembling doesn't mean being scared to death of God. The fear and trembling means that we are afraid we'll miss out on all that God has for us. I only got one chance to live this life. And I don't know when my last day is and you don't either. Of all things, don't let us die whenever that is, man or woman, boy or girl, teenager. Don't let you die when you are being spiritually immature and distant from God and, and embarrassing God with the way that you're living and then come into his presence. Live with fear and trembling. I'll miss out on what God has for me. Take your salvation and your own personal growth seriously. Own this opportunity. Stop being so spiritually lazy and own this moment 
of growing, maturing, and deepening in your, in your walk with God. We work out our salvation with fear and trembling. And while we're doing that, God is our partner. He is changing our life by working in us to be changed like Christ. Look at verse 13. For it's God who's at work in you, both to will and to do his good pleasure. You go to God and say, oh God, I want you to give me the will. Give me the willpower. Give me the will to do what pleases you. Give me, the, give me the power to do what pleases you. God, I'm asking you to give me the will to be the Christian I am to be and give me the power to do that. Now, here's what happens. God has three tools that he uses in your and my life. He's been using them in your life from the day you got saved. Three tools he uses in order to, to help us to grow and mature in our walk. So what are these three tools? Well, first of all, God uses the Bible to change us. 2 Timothy 3, verse 16 and 17, all scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness that the man of God may be adequate, equipped with every good work. I love the paraphrase of the verse. So let me read the paraphrase. The whole Bible has been given to us by inspiration from God and is useful to teach us what is true and to help us to, to realize what is wrong. It straightens us out. It helps us to do what is right. It is God's way of making us well prepared at every point, fully equipped to do good to everyone. It cleans up our act. There was a, a couple that moved into the neighborhood. If you've ever moved in just recently or the moment you move into the neighborhood, you realize all the neighbors, neighbors are watching you, right? They're watching you. What strange person has just moved into the house across the street from me or down the, down the street from me? Are they weirdos? Are they normal people like we are in our house? They're trying to get this figured out. Who are these people that have moved in? And this was the case. This family moved into a new house. And the people, Caddy Corner, not exactly, not exactly uh, in the front, but Caddy Corner, and they didn't have any fence around their house. They could see across. And apparently this woman that, that moved into this house, she did laundry every morning. May, may just been one load or whatever. And she did laundry every morning. And then she hung up all the clothes on a clothesline. And I already know that two generations probably aren't even understanding what I'm saying. Clothesline. What? What, what is this thing that you're calling a clothesline? This is going to be a shocker. It is. But there was a day in which there were washing machines, but no dry, dryers. Yes. I mean, probably 2,000 years before Jesus, no dryers then. And they were, and people, what they would do is they would wash their clothes. Then they would hang their clothes on this rope, on this line outdoors, and the, the, they would dry by the sun. And by the way, apparently they really smelt good whenever they got dry. It was something about the sun and all that. And so here is this family. They don't have dryer. They're hanging out their laundry on a clothes line. And when the people across Caddy Corner from them would, they just, they could eat breakfast. And every time they ate breakfast, she was hanging out laundry every day. And they were just sitting there and they were thinking, they were looking at this woman and the, the lady in the house said to her husband, day after day, this woman does not know how to do laundry. 
That's the first thing about this new family. They don't know how to do laundry. Look at the clothes. I can tell all the way from across the street. Her clothes are dirty. They're dingy. She's not getting them clean enough. I don't understand what's wrong with her. Maybe I ought to go over there and help her, but I don't think I want to because I just want to gossip every morning. So she didn't go the next day. Uh, she, that woman hangs out clothes. This woman, while she's having her breakfast with her husband, look again. This woman, look again at the dirty clothes hanging on the line. And every day, every day, every day, she commented about the dirty clothes. But one day, she turned to her husband and said, I'm stunned. Look at them. Those clothes are bright white. They are obviously clean. Something's happened to this woman. Maybe somebody went over and told her how she was doing it wrong. And he said to her, sweetheart, no, I got up early today and I washed our windows. Yeah. See, the Bible, the, the Bible does, the Bible gives us a different perspective of others. It helps us to see other people differently than maybe we have been doing. It helps us clean up our act. I got to tell you, I came across a self-help book that I thought was fantastic. You ought to write the book down and ought to get it. Your whole family ought to read it. It's called the Bible. It's the best one I've ever come across. Amen, it is. Got to get one of those. It's just unbelievable. When we take seriously what the Bible tells us to do, it changes our way of thinking. So it will then change our actions. See, what's the whole idea of the Bible? It changes the way we think. This is why when we go to worship, we just finished worship and we loved it. It was wonderful. We felt uplifted. Why? We were just singing the Bible. We were singing scripture is all we were doing. And as we were singing scripture, we were singing things about God and about what he has done for us and how he loves us and how God can use us. We were just singing scripture. That was all we were doing. And as we were singing scripture, it changed the way we were thinking. We walked in here depressed or frustrated. Somebody has done me wrong. I can't get it out of my brain. But now when we're singing, it leaves my brain and it has changed what I'm thinking. We've just been sing in scripture. The idea of why the Bible, the Bible changes the way we think. And that's why it's so powerful. Look at Proverbs chapter four, verse 23. This is a powerful verse and it helps us to understand. Be careful how you think. Your life, your whole life is shaped by your thoughts. Change always begins with new thinking. This is what the Bible is trying to do. The Bible is actually trying to get us to think the way God says about us and says about God and says about others. For instance, maybe, maybe you're thinking or you thought this this week, my life doesn't matter. I can't accomplish anything. Everything in my life is falling apart. I never, I'll never get ahead. I'll never get past this setback in my life. I will never get past this addiction that I have in my life. No one loves me. Nobody cares about me. If I totally disappeared from the face of this earth, nobody would miss me. The truth is, those are every single one of those are lies. 
Every one of those are lies that Satan puts inside our heart. And the only way to get them out, the only way to clean them up, is to go to the Word of God and see what God's Word says about us. The Bible says we're more than conquerors. Yes, you can get past that addiction. Yes, you can get past that setback. We are more than conquerors. It tells us we are fearfully and wonderfully made. It tells us that God has a will and a plan in our life to prosper us and not to harm us. And by prosper, I'm not talking about make us all wealthy. I'm talking about prosper us in our life. Sometimes it is financial. But to prosper us in our life so that we live life in the best way possible. Yes, God loves you. Yes, you can get over that issue in your life. Yes, you can. The Bible changes our way of thinking. Why does the Bible have all these stories of God's miracles in it? David and Goliath and the parting of the Red Sea and, and people being raised from the dead, people being healed supernaturally, and all these miracles God does. Why does he, he have all those stories? Because when we read the stories, we begin to understand this is the God we serve, and if he did it once, he can do it again for us. That's why they're in the Bible, to change our way of thinking. So when we go into the Bible, we're always saying, oh God, would you get rid of the defeatist thinking and the satanic negativism in my life and help me start thinking Bible? And the Bible says in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. See what he's saying? And in the New English Bible, it says it this way. Let your minds be remade and thus your whole nature transformed. Just start thinking differently. And you will be a different person. There's a pilot. He's up there in his private plane. Whenever he wants to level out that plane, he didn't jerk it. He, he just tweaks it a little bit, just a little bitty tweak. And with a little bit of tweak, it just all evens out. And if he wants to climb, he just pulls back a little bit on that wheel or the stick or whatever he's got, and he just pulls back. Doesn't have to do it much, just a tweak. And if he does it, just a tweak, he will climb the next 30 minutes thousands and thousands of feet. See, he can soar. He didn't have to do it all at one moment. He can soar little by little with just a tweak. And here's what I'm asking. Would you have just a tweak? Would you start this afternoon? Maybe, maybe in the morning when you wake up, would you start with a tweak about your work, about your school? Instead of going with that, to that job, sour and dreading the day and feeling unappreciated, instead of starting it off wrong because that wrong thinking is, is destroying your day, Start off with a smile. Start off with a, a, a thanking God you got a job. Thanking God you got school. You don't have to grow up dumb. You've got school. Thank God that I get to go to school. There are people all over the world that wish they could go to school. Thank God for the people that you go to school with, the people that you work with. Thank God for the opportunities. Just start with a different attitude. When you start with the right thinking, it'll change everything. And a tweak in your marriage. Instead of complaining and griping about literally every little thing that ever happens, instead be going to God and say, God, thank you that someone would even want to live with me. Thank you that someone would want to be married to me. I'm just stunned by it all. 
And God, thank you for my wife and thank you for my husband and thank you for all that you, I can't believe I have the opportunity to share my life with another human being. And I want to treat her well. I want to love her. I want to, I, I want to treat her the way you want me to treat her or him. Instead of being contentious and hard to get along with, just tweak a little bit. I know, yeah, I know I told her I loved her 15, 20 years ago, but do it now tomorrow again. Just do it again tomorrow. Nothing's changed, but let her know again. and just, just a tweak. And here's what I'm trying to say to you. When you think differently, you will feel differently. And when you feel differently, you will act differently. And how is it that you think differently? The Word of God. Start reading it, but start being serious about it. God, what are you telling me in your Word? I want to put this new thinking in my life today. And it will transform your life. Little by little, it's just a tweak. It's not like it's all zooming straight up in the plane. It's little by little. Second of all, God uses the Holy Spirit to change us. The very moment you accepted Christ as your Savior, the Holy Spirit came to live inside of you. The Spirit of God came to live inside of you. Romans 8, 11, but if the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he will also give life to your mortal bodies through the Spirit who indwells you. And the very moment you accepted Jesus, he came to live inside of you. The Holy Spirit of God. So how is it that the Holy Spirit begins to change your life? When we are filled with the Holy Spirit, he is changing our life. Choose to be filled. Choose to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Choose to be filled with the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? The filling of the Holy Spirit isn't us getting more of the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit getting more of us. It's yielding more and more of my life to his control. Think about this. When you say that man is full of fear, it means that man is under the control of fear. When you say that woman is full of anger, it means that woman is being controlled by anger. When it's, you say, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, it means I want to be under the control of the Holy Spirit of, of God. And all that means is I want to surrender. Years ago in my ministry, at the beginning of my ministry, I had a guy who was, was mentoring me. I so appreciated him. And he introduced this whole idea of being full of the Spirit. And here I was, a Christian for all this time since I was a little kid. And I had never understood that. It was never taught. And I didn't, I didn't know what that meant. But he explained to me to be full of the Holy Spirit is not to get more of him. It's not a second blessing. It is letting him get all of you. And here's what he told me to do. He said, I want you to get out a piece of paper and or several pieces of paper. And I want you just to put the name of every single thing in your life, your time, your goals, your wife, your future children, the, the, the time in, on your life, the, your money. I, I want you to put literally everything, your ministry and, he, and your car, about all, about all I, I had a car and a TV and that was pretty much it. So put your TV down, put your car down, put everything, put everything down. And I filled out a page or two. And then he said, here's what after you get through. And he said, I mean, I, I mean every little minute thing. Put it down, put it down, put it down. And I did. 
He said, now that you have it all down, I'm gonna ask you to give every single one of these things to God. But I'm not saying, don't do this. Don't, don't say, okay, God, you see this whole list. I give it all to you. See, he said, it won't mean anything. And don't do it fast. Maybe it takes days or weeks, but just every single thing. Don't go to the next thing until you have fully yielded this thing to God. I mean, every, every part of it you have yielded to God. God, I don't care what size churches I pastor. I don't care if anybody knows my name. I don't care about anything that, that I do except I want to honor you with my job. And I want, I want to do my very best. I want to preach the best I know how to preach. I want to lead the best I know how to lead. I, I spent several days on my career, on my ministry, in my life. And, but you know, there were two things that were the hardest things for me to give up. I could give up my car. It was old anyway. I could give up my TV. I could give up everything. I went through all the lists, but the two things that I had the hardest time was giving up my wife. God, I'm willing for you to be in charge of my wife. And if that means we have a long marriage, if we have a short marriage, I give up my wife under your care. And I want to have children. But if we never have children, let me tell you, it took me weeks to honestly and truthfully give up everything in my life. What happens is, is that when you give up everything in your life, you become empty. And that's what God wanted me to be empty of me. And then he said, Ask the Holy Spirit to fill you. Empty yourself of yourself and ask the Holy Spirit to fill me. And I, I want to tell you, I did that. It was the most amazing thing. I didn't do crazy things and, and I didn't have, it was no second blessing thing, but it, I had a deeper relationship with God than I'd ever known. Being led by, being full of the Holy Spirit. Now, here's what the Bible says in Ephesians 5. It says, be continually full of the Spirit. Meaning, we can leak. I mean, we, 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 were, we were letting God be in control, but now we've taken stuff back. And so it means that it has to happen many times. And maybe it's every day, but it is giving back to God. And I got to tell you, every time I've gotten down and I've done the very same thing, something amazing has happened to me. And all I'm doing is letting God be in control. God has three tools to change us. The first tool is his word, but the second tool is the Holy Spirit of God empowering us from within and taking control within our life. And the third, God uses circumstances to change us. And in Romans chapter 8, verse 28 and 29, to those who love God and are the called according to his plan, everything that happens fits into a pattern for good. For God chooses us to bear his family likeness of his son. God is saying whatever happens to us, maybe... We caused it. Maybe it, it's our sin that brought it in our life. But God says, if you will let me have it, you will experience consequences because of bad decisions. But if you will let me have it, I'll turn this around for good in your life if you'll believe me to do it. So what has to happen? We've got to respond correctly to circumstances. And you're in them now. And it seems like it just won't go away. I've already prayed about it. God, take this out of my life. It just stays and it's, nothing's changing. 
Romans 5, 3 and 4, we can be full of joy here and now. Even in our trials and troubles, these very things, the trials and troubles will give us patient endurance. This in turn will develop a mature character. Give it to God, give it to God, give it to God. We, can ch we can't choose what's going to happen to us next week, next month, next year. We don't have that choice. But we can choose how we're going to respond to what happens. In other words, God transforms our character when we take the Bible and let him change the way we think. When we yield ourselves to the Holy Spirit, when we choose to trust God in our troubles, these are God's three tools. And it's a partnership. God is at work in you, and we are working out our salvation with fear and trembling. Do you know Jesus as your Savior? If you don't, you can know him today. Let's bow together for prayer. Father, I pray for everybody that is watching online in their house, in their car. I pray, Father, for all four campuses that are watching in person. And, and I pray, Lord, that you would be at work in our heart. We, we want to be changed. We want our nature to be changed, our character to be changed. And we yield ourselves to you. And we ask, Father, would you do this in our life and change us, transform us by your spirit. Father, I pray for those who do not yet know Jesus. May this be the moment that they receive it, Jesus as their savior. May they move in the Next Step Center online and talk to one of our ministers. And Father, I pray for all of those that are in person that this be the day they go to the Next Step Center where they are. Talk to one of our ministers. Move in our life, we pray in Jesus' name, amen.